0: The second scripture this morning comes from John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. It follows directly Easter morning when when Jesus has appeared to Mary. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. The Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, sure. Right. Like that's going to happen. Like I said, I'll believe it when I see it. You did what? Sure. Sure, you did. I'll believe it when I see it. So you're going to come home to visit? I'll believe it when I see you on my front porch steps. You're never going to be late again? I'll believe it when I see you're on time. Make it five times. And then there's the one we preachers can say. I'll believe this sermon when I see it. Because sometimes there's a bit of doubt and fear that one can even be produced. I'll believe it when I see it. It's such a common phrase, one most of us have used at one time or another. In order to believe something, we often do say we have to see it and experience it. Experience and seeing it makes it real. Yet we can be so slow to believe and afraid to hope. Hope and doubt, faith and fear. They both go hand in hand, and they come at us all at various times. It's part of life, and it's a major part of Scripture, too. A good example is right here in what I just read. Now, how many of you are familiar with this story or have heard it before? Let's see a raise of hands. We can do that. We're Presbyterians, but we can do this in church. Okay, now I know some of you heard the first part of this story in this past Wednesday evening's contemplative service. Yet as I prepared this service, this sermon, I realized that this is the third year in a row that on the second Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, John 20 19 through 31 will have been preached from this pulpit. Two years ago, my sermon was titled, Called to be an Easter People. And last year, Alex was titled, Believing is Seeing, and now I'm back at it. And I know that Ben Sparks and others have used this text on this Sunday too. Why? Because it's a common lectionary text following Easter Sunday. Why? Because it's so apropos. Because by this time... So very soon after Easter, we need assurances too. Now this passage is so chocked full of meaning. It can be taken down so many different paths. It is where the passing of the peace is referred back to. When Jesus speaks to the disciples, we're told he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Thus early Christians greeted each other with a holy kiss which eventually turned into the handshake of the passing of the peace. This passage is also used at times at Pentecost, in lieu of the story in Acts when the Holy Spirit appears, and it is associated appropriately with the beginning of Christian mission. But all in all, it's used most often as a passage directly after Easter, because last week, while we celebrated hope and faith, This week, doubt and fear have already crept in. At least for some of us, it has. And if it hasn't, well, I hate to sound pessimistic because I do consider myself a glass-full type of person. But the reality is that those hard times are going to hit each and every one of us. Times when fear and doubt about life and, yes, about our faith hit us. In fact, at this very past Wednesday's evening worship and sharing about this scripture, it was evident that in our humanity, we often find ourselves figuratively locked behind closed doors, frightened and afraid of life. Yes, in this incredible Easter evening story, we are told that in our fears and doubts, God meets us where we are. Now, it is also from this very text that the moniker Doubting Thomas stems, which is usually meant to be a pejorative term. But before we're too hard on Thomas, let's not forget that after the disciples have seen evidence that Jesus is not in the tomb and Mary has shared, I have seen the Lord, the disciples on Easter Eve have locked themselves behind closed doors in fear. You know, throughout scripture, fear is placed as the opposite of faith, not doubt. We might say that the opposite of hope is doubt, and the antonym of faith is fear. After Christ's first appearance to the disciples, they tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Thomas' initial reaction isn't fear, but doubt. There is a subtle difference. Thomas proclaims, "Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe." i.e, I'll see it when I believe it." Yes, he is doubtful. You can hear the disbelief, but the hope too. When Thomas says to Jesus, when Jesus says to Thomas, "Put your finger here and see my hands, reach out. Put it in your side. Do not believe. And then Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Jesus really isn't reprimanding or putting Thomas down. Jesus' comment is not meant to disparage Thomas' faith. Rather, it speaks directly to the next generation that will not have Christ's visible presence. Jesus' words to Thomas bring a faith to future generations, a faith to be delivered by us, the believers. This important post-Easter story was written around 100 CE when there was concern about how this faith would be passed on to generation to generation. When the witnesses, the people who lived and saw Christ's post-resurrection appearances, would no longer be around. It was written when the hope and good news of the gospel flourished, while at the same time there was a growing fear of persecution. This story spoke to a group of people struggling for a clearer understanding of Jesus, what faith in Christ brought and how they should live their lives in response to the risen Christ. It was written to people living with both hope and doubt, faith and fear. Now that New Testament faith and life isn't really too far from what we and others struggle with today while living in what some call a post-Christian culture. And as Jeff Gallagher has attested to, there is also Christian persecution throughout much of the world in our VCU students will tell you there is often mockery and outright disdain for those who claim to follow Christ on a college campus. You in the workplace know very well that most people regularly more that more people regularly do not attend church than those who do. So hear the book of John on Easter Sunday evening we encounter a pivotal story that speaks to the early church and to us, meeting us where we are in our hope and faith, our doubts and fears. John portrays the disciples behind a door that is both closed and locked, in fear, probably, that they might be persecuted by religious authorities just as Jesus had, Or perhaps in fear they might be accused of stealing his body. But it is a door that doesn't keep Jesus out. Jesus stands among them proclaiming peace, peace be with you. Into people who have cowered in fear, Jesus comes standing among them and reveals himself bringing his presence and peace Jesus comes again and again to the scared and confused disciples. And you know what? He comes again and again to us, breaking down our locked and closed doors, meeting us in our fears and doubts, standing in our midst among us, meeting us where we are, bringing us God's presence and peace. God is in the midst of our fear our cries of pain, in our doubts, and in our troubles. Then and now, God comes through the resurrected Christ, the one who conquered death and defied the sins of humanity. Christ meets us at times with a palpable spirit and presence, and at other times through others, through those who sit with us in our pain and suffering. And this story shows us that we need not be ashamed or embarrassed by these difficult times in life because Christ comes to us. As someone pointed out Wednesday evening, Jesus is recognized by the disciples because of his wounds. The resurrected Christ meets us where we are at because he too was wounded and broken. And now he walks with us in our wounds and brokenness, bringing his peace to us in the midst of life's difficulties. Isaiah 53, a famous passage about the suffering servant associated with Jesus Christ, can also speak to us. When we feel despised and rejected by others, when we are suffering and acquainted with infirmity and diseases, when we feel stricken and struck down, when we feel like sheep that have gone astray and turned to our own way and are living in anguish, Jesus Christ breaks through and comes to us, meeting us where we are. Yes, Jesus brings us comfort, peace, and assurance, but there is also a commissioning he says, peace be with you, and then, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he tells them to receive the Holy Spirit, he also admonishes them not to hold on to each other's doing, but to accept this new life, this peace through the Holy Spirit. They are to be a community working together and de- demonstrating this new life, the peace that Jesus brings Jesus Christ accepts the disciples even though they, they hadn't believed that he would return. He expects us when we don't believe he will come to us. Jesus Christ demonstrates God's radical love and forgiveness, and we, the church, in turn, are also called to demonstrate this. The risen Lord gives his, gifts his disciples with the Holy Spirit, so that they may go out into the world with his message as people living a resurrection life, Easter people. When others are suffering, we are called to work with them, to walk with them, to sit with them, and to be present to each other, to hold each other up and pray for the power of the Spirit to help us in doing this. Early Thursday morning, As Alex said, Michael Risson, Tom and Martha Edmonds, 37-year-old son-in-law passed away after over a -a year-and-a-half fight of cancer. We can all imagine the doubt, the questioning, the fear in this journey. I received an email that he had passed away, and Thursday morning, I knew Martha would be in the recovery room. I decided to go over and visit her. And as I was driving up to St. Mary's, I saw another congregation member leaving, saying, I'm just leaving. He's out of surgery. He'll be going home soon. So I rushed, parked the car, went down to recovery, and was able to spend some time with both Martha and Tom. And Martha shared that a member from this congregation, on hearing the news, got up in the wee hours of the morning and met them at the hospital at 5.30 and sat with Martha while Tom went through surgery. It was really a moment where doubt and fear and questioning was reassured that Jesus Christ lives in us and works through us. We are called to help others to see Christ so they too can believe and experience him. But we cannot forget that the gift of Christ's peace and the Spirit is tied to the mission to share God's gift of the resurrected Christ. Here we are challenged to show and share this message with each other in a hungering world. We, each one of us, just like Frank Demick, are called to be missionaries in this life. We are called to be a people meeting each other and the world, sharing the good news and peace of Jesus Christ. I'll believe it when I see it. May we see, experience, and believe the one who breaks through our locked doors. May we help each other welcome in the resurrected Christ who comes into our lives and the world, meeting us where we are. May it be so. Amen.